I'm Lizzie. And I'm Hazel. And we're Carrot and Stick. A writing podcast that's all about trying out weird writing advice we find on the internet and seeing if it actually helps us fight writer's block. So Lizzie did a little research since our last episode. You may remember that we called out an anonymous white guy for writing the 10,000 hour rule. So I wanted to do some research about who he was because I felt kind of bad for being super vague about that and not remembering whose rule it was. But when I searched 10,000 hours, Google's first result was literally new study destroys Malcolm Gladwell's 10,000 hour rule. So what was the study and why was it disproving this rule? It was a Princeton study that showed that basically the deliberate practice, which is the idea of this 10,000 hours, right? That if you just do something and practice it forever or for 10,000 hours, that you'll eventually master it is only really true for things that you can master. And there's not that many things that practice is the only thing that makes the difference in your success. So they found that it ultimately really made only 12% of a difference. So it's not so much that it's invalid as that it's given a lot more weight than it should be given. Wait a second. I'm not sure I understand that. So how do you define skills that you can master? I'm also paraphrasing the article. So I think what it means is just that certain skills change more over time. Like if you go into business, business depends on the market and depends on more subjective forces that are out of your control. And there's also perhaps more luck involved in that. Whereas in this article, they were using the example of being a piano concertist, for example, being a sort of skill where if you just practice for a really long time, you can technically master it. It still doesn't guarantee financial success or anything, but it's just not dependent on so many external factors. Okay, so then where does that 12% come from? I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it was a weird number to just have thrown out there. Like 10,000 was already a strange number. I think they broke it down by category too. So it was like in games, which I assume means video games, but also might mean board games. They're saying in games, it makes like 6% of a difference. And in entertainment, it makes 3%. And then in quote professions, I think it was only 1%. I don't, again, I don't know the exact definitions. I didn't read this, the original study, just the Business Insider article that was covering the study. Okay. So that's also kind of depressing because it's like, I guess you have your like set skill level, and then that means that no matter how hard you work, you'll only be able to get 12% better. Yeah, ouch. <laughs> well, guys, that's the end of the podcast. It's, it's been great. Uh, signing off. <laughs> I mean, I think, I don't know. I hear this a lot when, especially talking to like entrepreneurs and things, where it's like, it's not just your talent or your skill. It's definitely a combination of luck and timing and how many risks you're willing to take. And just there's so many other things. It's never just directly, are you good at it? I also get in creative fields, especially film, which obviously I sort of hail from. Um, there's a lot of like, your attitude is way more important than your skill set. If you're terrible to work with, no one will hire you. So I think it's all those other things that kind of impact your success. In some ways, that can be kind of freeing, though, right? Like, I didn't do this thing for 10,000 hours, but at least I have these other qualities that you can control and that help you or that come naturally to you and help you. Maybe that's something that can push you forward when you don't have the hours in yet. So anyway, 10,000 hours, we weren't going to be able to test it on this podcast anyway, but now I feel better about the fact that we never will be able to. Shrugs! (laughs) I mean, I think the good news at least is that Or the part that holds, I think, is just the longer you do something, the better you'll get at it. I think it's just that we were overestimating or that people in general overestimate using the 10,000 hour rule, how quickly you can just guarantee success at something. Yeah. And even a percent is an important percent. All right. So our challenge that we did this past week was buddy writing. Ooh, buddy writing. 
And did that show in your word count, being able to write with a buddy? Oh, man. My word count is kind of all over the place because I finally finished revising the opening to my book and then I just like took off editing words. So I wrote down that technically I tweaked, tweaked, but did not write from the ground up 20,000 words of pre-existing writing, which is still pretty good. 20,000 words. Yeah, it's like one fifth of the book or I one fourth rather. I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. <laughs> I've been very supportive of your editing in past episodes, so I can't go back here. Oh, no, why would you want to go back? <laughs> 20,000. It's No, that's good. Okay, go on. It's a lot of words. I mean, that's a lot of words. But yeah, I didn't write that many new words. There was also some cutting and, and things like that, too. So, But I did feel like I was really focused. Also, to be fair, this is really covering two weeks worth of writing. That's true. Yeah, we did take a break. Yeah. So granted, I didn't do very much the first week, um, but it is like probably the equivalent of having like nine days worth of work rather than seven. So that helps a little bit too. Wait till you see my goals for next week. They are unrealistic. Nice. That's how (laughs) How I like goals. How many words did you write this week? I wrote a humble 1,700. That's still really good. Thank you. I appreciate that. I would applaud, but I don't feel like the microphone would pick it up very well. No, it would be deafening. (laughs) Uh, What did you work on? So I actually took a break from the main project I've been working on these past few weeks to work on a fan fiction that I started last winter. And I have zero regrets on that account. I'm so glad I decided to do that. Nice. What um, fandom is it a part of? Is that the correct terminology? I'm a noob. Yeah, that's correct. Oh, nice. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, what fandom is it a part of? So it's uh, Hunter Hunter fanfiction. Oh, nice. Your your true love. Or as I like to call it, Hunter x Hunter, like an educated person. You can call it whatever you want, to be honest. My favorite thing said about Hunter Hunter was that um, you don't say the X, you grasp it firmly in your heart. So good. <laughs> so did you think that this challenge of sitting down and writing with a buddy was successful for you? It's a mixed success, definitely. It really depends on the day. Like, you have to be really committed to the writing itself and not just the part about getting together to hang out. So that means that sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't, which just depends on your mindset for the day and how starved of socialization you were prior to seeing this person. Oh, that's such a good point. I didn't even think about it in terms of, like, your person energy levels. Yeah, for me, that's big, at least. And I used to have a writing group when I lived back in Kobe, and they are such wonderful people. And after our writing sessions where we would uh, give feedback and stuff on what we had written the week before, we would sometimes just stick around and do a little group writing. And I had to kind of know myself and understand like how much I had seen those people in the past week and how many things I wanted to update them on to know if I could actually participate in that session without dragging them all down. (laughs) But the times that it was good, it was really good. I'm sure they were going through the same struggle, though. I'm sure it wasn't just like, "Uh uh-oh, Hazel's here. (laughs) How much work are we going to (laughs) do? Yeah, that productivity suck. Get her out of (laughs) here. I totally agree, though. I felt like it really depended on who the buddy was. Similarly to how you were talking about your old writing group in Kobe, I also pulled from some past examples because this week I really mostly wrote with my husband or I also reached out to someone I had never written with before and wrote with her, which I'll talk about in a second. But um, looking back at some of my past experiences with buddy writing as well, this summer, for example, I had a friend who got to work from home every single Friday. And since I also work from home, I was like, hey, let's co-write. So that was an interesting thing to look at, too, where we were both doing more professional work, but I definitely felt like that depended day to day Like, if I had seen him earlier in the week, I wouldn't really 
like need to be updated on his life and it would really just be like we kept each other off Facebook for the most part <laughs> um, and kept each other from getting super distracted or falling asleep. Actually, I caught him almost falling asleep on my couch once and I was like, hey, hey, stop. <laughs> but I have another friend who always wants to come over and write or have me go over to their place and write. And with that friend, it's like, I just never see them very often. Like I hang out with them once every six months. So it is impossible to do work with them. So I think it really depends on how much time you spend with a person. Like it was so easy to write with, um, with Ben versus writing with people I don't see as often. For me, it's not even a matter of how often you see them. Like I wrote with my girlfriend a lot. And even though I see her every week and I talk to her every day, there were some days where I was just like, nope. I don't feel like writing. I don't feel like being productive. I'm going to distract you and distract myself. (laughs) That's fair. (laughs) So you need to know your own habits, not just like in general, but in terms of what's been going on that day. Yeah, that makes sense. Did anything surprise you about the challenge? Not really. Even the days that I didn't uh, do very well because I was too distracted, distractible, that wasn't super surprising. I should just know myself better. (laughs) Oh, no. Um, I felt like I was surprised by the fact that I I spend plenty of time sitting on my laptop while Ben is also sitting on his laptop. But it was it surprised me that when I said we are writing buddies and we are buddy writing, I was much more likely to ask him, hey, could you listen to this sentence and give me some feedback on it? Or do you think it would be weird if I use this adjective based on this setting? And I just I, I hadn't been doing that as much. And I felt like for some reason saying we are writing together gave me sort of like more permission to bounce ideas off of him. So I liked that aspect of it. And similarly, when I wrote with my friend over the weekend who I had never sat down to buddy write with before, um, we just got the catching up out of the way at the beginning. Like we talked for an hour and then we both sat down to write. And in a similar way, I kind of I was editing and I was sitting there thinking, if she were to read this right now, what would she think? And honestly, that gave me a push to cut some things that I probably wouldn't have necessarily, like, I would have just read them and been like, it's good enough. But instead with her sitting there, I felt I felt the pressure in a good way of like, if I were to give her this to read right now, would I be would I be proud of it? I don't know. That sounds really good. (laughs) It sounds like it works super well for you. It really feels like it's such a it's so random, though. Like, if it's going to work or not. That's the one downside to this challenge, I think, is that it's really not guaranteed if it's going to be successful. You might just get really distracted and you would have been better off not doing it. But at the same time, like, there were days where I had a buddy writing session scheduled and then scheduling conflicts happened and we ended up having to cancel. And you'd think that if I were really dedicated, I would have just done the writing anyways, but I didn't. (laughs) Thank you for being honest. (laughs) So, like, I used the fact that it was a buddy writing thing to kind of justify being like, oh, but my buddy's not here. Guess I can just take the day off, which is not the intended purpose of this challenge. The purpose is just to write. It doesn't matter who you write with. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's a good idea. We should also maybe try doing calendaring writing as a challenge, because I'd be really curious to see how helpful that is. My guess would be that it's not super helpful, but I'm also a very mood-controlled person, so I don't know. That's true. I feel like I really like having, or I mean, I like having a regimen, but then I also really need the freedom to break it. Like, nothing feels better than not showing up for something you were supposed to be at. True facts. Even if it's just like, I'm going to the gym and you're like, not today, me. (laughs) (laughs) Then this is why I'm not in shape anyway. I mean, you just need to have something in your life that you can control. The illusion of control is very important. <laughs> oh my god, that just got really, really dark, but also real. 
This is a real podcast, guys. <laughs> All right. What held you back this week? Um, I was really on the struggle bus yesterday, honestly. Like, it was cloudy outside, and I realized a little bit too late that I was just really dehydrated for some reason, and I just spent too much time staring at a screen. And then I went for a walk, and I remembered the magical power of walking, and it was a lot better. But I I kind of feel like I have a, a, like, tertiary resolution for next week, which is to go out and walk more, because it's definitely easy for me to think that I should sit there and power through something when actually I need to go walk around and stop looking at the screen and at in the end I'll have spent the same amount of time for the same result it's true this is not a writing related thing specifically but more just like general work and productivity but every day without fail at around 4 p.m or 5 p.m I will a get hungry b be (laughs) unable to concentrate c end up wasting a good hour not wasting I'll do work but it's not productive work and then I'll get a second wind around like six but because I leave the office around seven, it's like, why couldn't this have just happened a little bit earlier? Oh my gosh, this is exactly why I record the podcast at like 3pm. Because I do nothing from three to five. <laughs> I'm so envious of you. Oh my god. <laughs> oh no, I'm sorry. I mean, I still try to work. I just feel like sometimes I fall behind in those periods. Like I'll be like really, really productive in the morning. And then somehow just nothing gets done between three and five. And then I feel bad. And it's like the very fast scramble to finish something before Ben gets back from work, basically. So for context, dear listeners, I record the podcast at 7am. Well, I think our listeners just could not handle you at 100%. It would just be like, too intense. That's very true. I just break my mic. (laughs) Yeah, if this is Hazel at like 70%, like you guys don't even know. (laughs) But yeah, what held you back this week, though? So not this past week, but the previous week was actually a really big week at work. And um, because there was like a really big deadline we were all working toward, um, after that day passed, I really just wanted to relax. Mm-hmm. And so feeling justified to kind of take some time off and take it easy was a uh, productivity killer surprise. <laughs> you need that recovery time, though. I thoroughly agree. <laughs> uh, what inspired you this week? Going back to writing fanfic was actually really wonderful. Uh, fanfic is an abbreviation of fan fiction. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> but um, it's refreshing, and uh, because not all of it comes 100% from your brain, not that anything does, but because more of it is like well-established and it comes from a place of love, it's really easy to just get words down on the page, and it's fun. Um, I've also been going back to reading more fan fiction this week, which is just inspiring and wonderful in general. Nice. Awesome. How about you? Uh, my friend Katie read that new intro that I spent the last several weeks agonizing about, you know, every week when we were talking on the podcast. And she said that the new introduction was really, really good. And that gave me like a huge boost of energy to keep working and to keep editing, knowing that that new beginning wasn't terrible. So that was really helpful. Also, just finally getting that out of the way. Like, it was very easy to sail through that next 20,000 words because I had that energy boost of being like, finally, I am out of the quagmire. Not that your opening is a quagmire. Your opening is fireworks and everything an opening should be. Oh, wow. (laughs) The opening itself is not a quagmire, but writing it, especially when you get in like a hardcore editing mindset, it's so hard to switch gears back to creating, or at least it was very difficult for me. The permission to like destroy everything I had been meticulously crafting and put something new there was just like, oh God. Do you think it would have been helpful to like while you were editing, also, like, take breaks and write something just from scratch? Possibly. Oops. 
I suppose I could do that. I, I'm not trying to call you <laughs> no, out. No, no, for sure. I'm not trying to call you out. It's it's like related to my goal for the next week, which is um, I'm going to keep working on the fanfic, but I also want to write a self-contained scene for my main project just to keep it fresh in mind. Mm-hmm. And also, uh, even if I don't end up using it, it'll be helpful for character development. Yeah. So that's why I made me think of that. No, for sure. I mean, I think I just don't have enough hours in the day in order to finish editing to be able to alternate, sadly. And I think, too, well, this also might be because it's a novel-length project, but it's really hard to keep track of everything, and you have to, like, really be in it for editing. I know a lot of people suggest that you, when you edit a book, that you just... You just are like, in the next three days, I'm not going to do anything else. I'm just going to, like, shotgun this, essentially. And I don't really have the luxury of doing that, and I don't want to rush it. But at the same time, I get that, because as soon as I've been out of it for a week or something, I just can't even remember what I was changing. And those consistency things are just... Ugh, I just I feel like that's what gives me nightmares is that there's something that I like missed in a chapter that every other chapter had because I forgot I was going to change something. Ah, It's okay. It's okay. This is what editors are for. That's true. But I have to be my own editor right now. <laughs> Cries salty tears. So what was your goal that you set for next week? Okay, it's it's a dream. It really is. It's to edit the remaining 60,000 words of my book by the end of next week. And now that I say that, that's ridiculous. Uh, but I have a friend who's staying with me the following week. So, and then it becomes like October immediately. And I really feel like I need to get this book back to that agent by September or by the end of September. So deep breaths. <laughs> is that a deadline that your agent set? No, it's just that this revise and resubmit came to me in March And unfortunately, between getting, I mean, getting married was like a big, like, you know, I lost like two months probably there with all the stuff surrounding that, which is fine. But I just don't want it to be like, oh, I gave this person notes and it took them longer. I don't want it to be longer than like six months. At that point, it's like, wow, can you only edit if you have the luxury of endless time? I don't want that to be the impression that I give them. So... I wonder if there's, like, an average amount of time, though. Like, not saying that you're, like, slower or faster than that average, whatever that is. I should do more research, but from a few... I read a few blog posts from authors just talking about, like, what a revise and resubmit means and things like that. And people were saying, like, four to six months-ish is totally fine. Like, them being like, that's a really long time, but it's okay to take that time. And I'm like, what if that time is actually eight months? Ah! (laughs) Hopefully it'll be okay, though. We'll see. We'll see. I think it'll be okay. I hope so. I hope so. Okay, so we already talked about my goals for next week, so can we move into next week's challenge? Yes, we can. We're going to try out the Pomodoro Technique. Hazel, you're the one who suggested this one. Do you want to read what it's about? Set a timer 25 minutes and write until the timer goes off, then take a 3-5 to minute break. After four completed Pomodoros, which are sets of 25 minutes on, 5 minutes off, take a 15-30 to minute break and then resume. Also, Pomodoro comes from the person who created this technique. Um, Their timer was shaped like a cute little tomato, like they had a kitchen timer shaped like a tomato. And Pomodoro is Italian for tomato. It's it's just the cutest thing ever. This would never happen today because everyone just has timers on their phones. I know. (laughs) But if you're feeling really ambitious, you can go get a really cute tomato timer and you can feel like you are just so authentic. Yeah, go to the dollar store and get a cute uh, timer so that you don't have to keep unlocking your phone to check how many minutes are left on your timer. That's true. That can be dangerous. Unlocking your phone, as we know, is just a gateway to your social media apps. But if you want to use those for your three to five minute break, I mean, feel free. So now it's time for 
weekly favorites. Whoop, whoop. Hazel, what was your weekly favorite? So I mentioned before that I had been reading fan fiction more, and um, my weekly favorite is a series um, which is a Star Wars AU to the Haikyuu franchise, which is the thing I mentioned last week. <laughs> but it's fine. If someone is for some reason listening to these episodes out of order, it'll feel very fresh and new. The series is called Everything You Fear to Lose, and the author is Suggestive Scribe on Archive of Our Own. I'm not a huge Star Wars fan, and I haven't read any of the books. I haven't even watched either of the new Star Wars movies. I haven't seen uh, Force Awakens or Rogue One. So that tells you how far behind I am in Star Wars lore. But I still really enjoyed this setting and the plots for both of these. So this is a series of two. Um, The first one is called Duel of the Fates. The second one, which is a prequel, is called Shadow of Greed. Both of them are Oikawa and Iwaizumi-centric, and that should be all you need to know. If you enjoy Haikyuu and those characters, go read it. It's incredible. What was your weekly favorite? My weekly favorite was much more basic, which was just that in the many plane flights I was on last week, um, I watched Beauty and the Beast like six months later than everyone else. Uh, And it was surprisingly good. I mean, I knew it had a good Rotten Tomato score, um, but I kind of forgot that it's a pretty solid Disney movie. It was never one of my favorites as a kid. So it was just surprising to watch it and go, oh, this has a lot more depth than I remember. And it's also a lot less problematic than I thought I remembered that it was. So that was kind of cool. And then I had that song stuck in my head, the one that's like, bonjour, bonjour, that one. But I was really disappointed because when I searched for that song to double check the name of it, I thought it would be called like bonjour or like this provincial life or something. But it's just called Belle. Yeah. I mean, it's about her pretty underwhelming title wise (laughs) it tells you more it reminds you more about the movie that you watched than a song that's just called hello to be fair that's true (laughs) yeah it was really strange how the live action remake was so similar like at the end when it was like directed by so-and-so a film or a so-and-so film i was just like no 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 it was just whoever directed the animated movie it's this is still their film If you take everything about that film and add in, like, three new things, it's the other person's film. Is it, like, a shot-for-shot recreation? There are parts of it that are. See, that's not fun, though. I recently went to go see um, the JoJo's Bizarre Adventure movie that came out recently, and everyone was harping about how bad it would be to have a live-action remake because the original is so, like, stylistic. And I agree, there's no need for it, but I went and paid money for it anyway, I actually really enjoyed seeing it for that reason, because there's no way they could make it the same. It's just not physically possible. Mm. And they wanted to condense a lot of storytelling into, like, just one short movie. The fact that it was really different was what made it worth seeing, actually. That's cool. It wouldn't have been as fun if it tried to be more faithful, because, one, it would be impossible, and two, like, why would I bother watching it then? I could just watch the original. Yeah, that makes sense. I think, too, I don't know, I've noticed as I've gotten older... I feel like you start to appreciate that adaptations are meant to adapt and change things. Whereas I know I was like fanatical when I was a teenager, you know, anything that was changed from the Harry Potter books to the Harry Potter movies, I was so upset. <laughs> but I'm starting to realize it's it's about like a different creative team taking something and reinventing it a little or trying to make it more modern or just have more relevance. I don't know. Yeah. And we, the public, totally have the right to hate it. So it's fine. <laughs> So you are the stick this week. (laughs) I like to think that I'm always the stick deep down in my heart. I mean, I think so. But I was just like, man, last week I came off as being really mean about like hating everything. And I'm like, haha, not this week. (laughs) 
Haha, this week Hazel gets to be the mean one. <laughs> so anyway, if you want to hear more of Hazel being mean and me being so accepting, I don't know. <laughs> hold up, hold up. I know, I know. I was like, that's not the right phrasing. I was trying to make a funny, like, uh, connecting bit to the social media. I accept this and I understand where you're coming from. You can reach us on Twitter at Lizzie and Hazel, and that's Lizzie with a Y. Uh, if you'd like to ask us some questions or just see the surveys and everything in text form, you can find that at our website, which is our Tumblr, carrotandstickpodcast.tumblr.com. You can also reach us at our email address, which is carrotandstickpodcast at gmail.com. Our intro and outro music for the show is uh, You Belong by Slime Girls off their album No Summer, No Cry. We had some interest shown from listeners for this song, which makes me so, so happy because I just want everyone to know about Slime Girls' music. So go check it out, go download, go throw money at them, please. We'll see you in episode five. Eat a tomato, write some words. Tomatoes are gross. You don't have to do that. Set a timer, write some words. Yes. <laughs>